Today is Wednesday, September 27, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. As millions of illegal immigrants continue to flood into the country and stay, Christian homeschooling families facing deportation. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Go ahead and subscribe and leave a rating. If you haven't done that yet, we'd appreciate it. And we'd also love to hear from you. Give us your thoughts. Say hello. Quick start podcast at CBN.org. Joining me now to get through the news of the cray, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gons Phillips. It's hump day, fellas. How's it going? Yeah, I'm excited. Doing well. Yeah. Caffeinated. Ready. We are halfway home, caffeinated and contented as we should be. Yep. You got to gear up to get through the news of the cray. It's a, it's a, crazy, so it's a crazy world out there. But, uh, but we have some good ones on the podcast today. Not all negative Nellies. You know, we've got some some positive things happening as well. We'll hit those. Some concerning things as well, as I mentioned, talking uh, in just a moment here about this Christian family facing deportation. But the details on that. What's coming up on the uh, Focus Story? Yeah, we're going to be talking about this pastor out in Kentucky. Just a really cool story of a pastor doing his thing, evangelizing and seeing amazing results. Nice. Looking forward to that. Trey, on the main thing, you talked to someone from the upcoming movie On Fire. Yeah, so Peter Facinelli, he's the main character in this movie. and I think the cool thing about this movie is, is it's so centered on the family. So I'm excited to talk yeah. to him about it. Excellent. All right, looking forward to that on the main thing. But first, we're going to dive right in here to the news in 90 seconds. And a Christian homeschool family that was granted asylum in the United States... 15 years ago after facing persecution from in Germany they're going to be deported to their home country on orders from the Biden administration UA and Hannelore Ramaki fled Germany in 2008 back then they were facing criminal prosecution for homeschooling their five children it's been 15 years since then and now this family of nine must uproot their lives and move back to Germany and potentially face prosecution as well. They said that they were not told anything. We really don't know why this is happening. You can read more over at cbnnews.com. And mainstream media, including CNN, celebrated Joe Biden for making history by visiting a union picket line. The union members are picketing for more money as the rest of the nation's currently suffering from extremely high prices on basic cost of living items like groceries and gas. This all happened in Michigan, United Auto Workers Union. And that comes as the auto industry is facing historic high prices, including, man, 24% jump in the last year to 48,000 for the average vehicle. Average monthly auto loan payment, $729. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and moreover at cbnnews.com. Guys, this homeschooling family, I mean, 15 years, it's really a tough one to swallow as you see all of these illegal immigrants coming in, many of them claiming asylum, and a lot of them getting to stay with virtually not much proof of anything other than just showing up and claiming it. And then you have this family who's a Christian homeschooling family, and they're getting the boot. I mean, what's up with that? Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. It makes you wonder how political all of this is, yeah. right? You know, is there something going on when it comes to, to Germany and our interactions there? Is there some sort of pressure behind the scenes? It, it seems very bizarre 
to me that an exception wouldn't be made. It's not as though these people just arrived yesterday. You're talking a decade and a half of time, and it just seems like a very strange case to take up. If your argument is that you're all for religious liberty and you're trying to peddle that around the world, why would you be doing this at home? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't think there's any... There's not really any way that I can figure this out where it wouldn't be some sort of targeted reasoning for it, right? Because how do you pick this family out of obscurity and decide that they need to be deported and sent back to Germany after being here for well over a decade? It it just doesn't really comport with anything sensical here. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a bizarre thing. I think it's an odd thing, really, for the Biden administration to be taking up heading into an election cycle, because it's you're handing the Republican potentially an easy, an easy kind of win, at, yeah. at criticizing well, the, I mean, the White House. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you talk about what has the complaint been from the right has been that the Biden administration is using the levers of the federal government to target perceived enemies, pro-lifers, for example, Mark Houck, the other pro-lifers who were just uh, arrested and prosecuted in D.C. under the FACE Act violations. So you have the the January 6th crowd who, you know, regardless of whatever offenses they committed, many of them were minor. And then they're spending all this time and resources to go after these grandmas in some cases. And then you think that there's with the immigration stuff that they're strapped for for resources and then they're going after this one, and you're kind of like, wait a minute here. What, what is the deal? You're right. I mean, this, it's hard to draw any other conclusion other than this is targeted. Yeah. And, and I think, to your point, with an election coming up, and these are major issues, they're also, let's not forget internationally, Nagorno-Karabakh, there's a lot of pressure there that the Biden administration hasn't done enough to stop that. You've got Christians there. You have these issues at home now. I mean, it seems like the perfect storm. This is just an arsenal being handed over to the Republicans of things that they can complain about against this administration. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Indeed. Um, All right. Well, we have a lot to get to, so we're going to move on now over to the focus story. As I mentioned, we got a bit of a positive story here, taking a look at this Kentucky pastor who's been preaching for decades now, talking about how his ministry has been able to grow, and it's a simple but powerful blueprint. So, Billy, what's the uh, story here? Yeah, I, I love these kinds of stories where, you know, it's just a media outlet has caught up with a local pastor and they're trying to understand how this person, you know, not only how they've found success evangelizing, but also really what they see as the main thing that believers need to be doing to reach others. And so in this case, we have Bobby Eaton. He told Kentucky Today all about his his life story. He's 77 years old, and he has had a lot of success as a pastor. He has been at one church now for a couple of decades, the Poplar Grove Baptist Church out in Corbin, Kentucky, 77 years old again. And he was, a, this is what I love about his story. He was a butcher who ran a meat market for 31 years. He was bivocational and went into ministry and really found that he had a talent for reaching people with the gospel. And so he ended up at this church, Poplar Grove, um, about 20 years ago because the pastor there was suffering from cancer. And so he was asked to kind of step into the pulpit. And when he got there, he noticed that this church only had 20 people attending its services. And so He said to his wife, he's like, I told my wife that church should be running 150, meaning, look, there should be 150 people there. There's houses all around. It's a small area, but based on 
the housing and what's around it. He was shocked to see only 20 people there. Um, and so he ended up taking the church over. And it's pretty incredible because he talked about going out into the neighborhoods, reaching people and how they kept growing and growing. And today, even after COVID on a normal weekend, this small town church sees 300 people in every service. They've seen membership and church activity really explode and grow. And it's, it's really just an incredible story of, you know, and that's just a quick overview, but of what it takes to grow a church and bring people back to the pews. Yeah. And of course there, there's a lot of debate on like, what are the best approaches and, and things. So uh, what it was, what does uh, Bobby Eaton say is the, the key to his evangelistic success? Yeah. You know, he said, look, it's all God. It has nothing to do with him. He was given this gift of being able to reach people. And so with that gift, you know, he's been able to use it, but he's like, look, it's all God at the end of the day, you show up, <clears throat> you do what you need to do. But why this story, I think, um, really resonated with me is you look out there and you see, okay, we have mega churches everywhere. We have all these big mega ministries and they're doing great work, some of them. But here you have this small town guy who's out there using his ministry skills and trying to reach people and doing it successfully. And his trick, there is no trick, is just the gospel. He basically, <laughs> yeah. he appeals to the Romans road, right? Going through Paul's, Paul in the book of Romans, what he said were the steps to you know, embracing Christ. And he basically, he's like, look, I went and took a bunch of classes on evangelism to help sort of craft it. But at the end of the day, he mostly relies on Romans road, sharing the gospel. And that has been what has brought the most people to the Lord through him. Yeah. And I love that answer because as we see in Hebrews, you know, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I think, you know, and piercing even to dividing the soul and spirit. So the word of God, I know that when I started going where my walk sort of changed and I came, I kind of transitioned from a nominal believer into someone who was truly trying to follow Christ as best as I could was when it was somebody who was preaching straight from the word and the word of God would convict me of areas of sin in my life that I needed to change. Right? You don't need big, fancy, you know, attention grabbing, attractional things. I mean, those aren't always bad. But if that's your main thing, you know, as, as a friend of ours used to always say, what you win people with, you win them too. And so they can easily fall away after that. But the, the word of God does not return void. And so I love that that's his approach and the place he starts. Yeah. And I would, I would add in too, he talked about some of the other jobs he had before. Remember he was bivocational. He was a butcher. Um, and there was another position he held at a couple of different churches and, um, as a chaplain, and he saw about 300 people come to the Lord during this 13 year period before he ran this church. And I thought, you know, there are ministries out there that will hold a big event and they'll say 4,000 people came to the Lord. And, you know, those numbers are impressive and that's wonderful. Of course, everybody who comes to the Lord, it's great. But the fact that one guy's out there one-on-one -on -one, preaching, getting to see 300 people come to the Lord, that he's continued this, that he's built this church, you know, these are important things. They don't make headlines everywhere, but th this is important advice. And like you said, it's the basics that brings people, that bring people into the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, it's just a matter of, I think we complicate and kind of mystify God's will for our lives and what it means to be a follower of Christ. And really what I think it means is as long as you're not doing something that's very blatantly, clearly outside of God's design, like if you're, you know, whatever job you're doing, you're married, you're single, you're dating, like whatever your situation looks like, whatever 
season you're in in life, just do the next right thing in front of you, right? Go where God is leading you, step where God is calling you to step, uh, and and just trust that you're, you know, God is going to guide you and lead you in whatever situation that you're in. I think it, it, it just is a lot easier than I think we often make it. I think this is a perfect story of somebody who just has let his life evolve by following what God has put in front of him, right? He stepped into what God's got for him, and he's going to be faithful to that until God leads him somewhere else. Uh, and I think that's a really powerful life story. It's not complicated. It's not super grand, but God is doing something incredible in the midst of it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like I said at the top, it's good to have a story like this. So we're not just, and we try not to do this, like focus just on the negative all the time. And so it's great to see um, a, a story like this where we focus on what God's still doing, how he's doing it through people. And um, so I appreciate you bringing that one uh, to the podcast today, Billy. All right, we are going to head over to the main thing right now. And Peter Facinelli is the main character and co-director of the upcoming movie On Fire. And he spoke with Trey about why he wants to highlight the importance of family entertainment. The movie tells the story of a man whose life is turned upside down by wildfires threatening his family as he and his pregnant wife and their son race to safety. That's today's main thing. Peter Feccinelli, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm excited to talk about your new movie, On Fire. Uh, tell me a little bit about what, the movie comes out on September 29th. Uh, tell me a little bit about what inspired your interest in this project. Well, when I read the script, there was so many stories of fires in the news, even a year and a half ago when we started uh, filming. Um, and I thought this is a really poignant story, you know, that, that gives an in-depth look at what something like this looks like from the inside, you know? Um, and then, and it felt like a throwback to a, you know, old, old style family survival th thriller film, you know, uh, which I always enjoyed but with a very poignant story and, a, and, a, and good messages. So uh, when I, when I took it on, I, I thought, you know, they have this uh, umbrella of this family, you know, survival film, but underneath that umbrella is some really beautiful takeaways uh, for people. Um, and some of them being, uh, you know, the, at the end of the film, we give tribute to firefighters and first responders. You get to see a little bit of, of an arc of this 911 operator who's helping this family. But at the core of this film, really what drove drove me to want to do it and also drives the film is this, is, is the family. You know, um, when you see my character in the beginning of the movie, he's saddled with all this stress and um, he's he's got a baby on the way, a, a new uh, job. He's got this corp this company just started that he doesn't know if he's going to make it or not. He's got a dad that's sick and he's paying his medical bills and a son is going off to college. He doesn't know how he's going to pay for that. So, um, you know, he's already stretched to the max. And then this evening happens where this fire comes into play and him and his family are, you know, just trying to survive the night and, and going through that journey. I think my character comes out of it realizing, you know, all those other issues are, are anthills, uh, compared to what he just went through. And, and, and it just gives you that takeaway of, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. As long as you have your family, you could, you could get through anything. You know, something I think is, is really fascinating about this film is so many of those movies that you were talking about, past movies that are uh, kind of family survival stories, a lot of times they have one lead character. Often it's the husband, the dad, the patriarch, and the family who kind of carries everybody 
through uh, in this movie it's it's very much a familial uh, bond that ties everybody together. Everybody plays a role uh, throughout the process of the story unfolding. Talk a little bit about that, about the importance of the family structure and why that was something that not only as an actor in the movie, but also as a co-director you wanted to highlight. Yeah, that was another takeaway that we were striving for. I'm glad you caught that because, you know, in these other films, these, uh, you know, bigger studio $50 million, uh, you know, family survival films, you have the dad hanging off of a building and he's like, I'm going to save everybody in my, you know, and with this, it's really this dad's, he's doing the best he can, you know, he doesn't have all the answers. And, and I love the fact that they lean on each other. And there's moments where each one of them is at their lowest point and the other family members like p- picking them up. And, and then they also, you know, have this, uh, have this belief in a, in a spiritual higher power that also helps them through that feeling of, you know, you just have to believe that, that we're in God's hands and that we're, you know, we're going to make it, you know, and, and trust. There's a lot of that messaging of trust uh, in a higher power and that, that this movie too. Uh, but, but you're right. Every character has this heroic moment that, that saves us. Even the grandfather who, you know, uh, has meets his demise he leaves us with something at the end that actually becomes a heroic part of being, you know, his arc. Um, so, so I don't want to spoil too much, but it's like, I, I love that about the film as an actor, as a co-director and, and, you know, as an audience member watching it, that you can see all these characters um, have their own. And, and to me, the biggest, the biggest hero of the movie is actually the Fiona Durf's character who plays my wife. She's eight months pregnant in the movie and she's running through the woods uh, you know, carrying, uh, uh, you know, 30 extra pounds and a baby and, uh, and, and going through all that smoke and fire. And she's, you know, she's, she's in mom, mom bear mode, mama bear mode, you know, got to protect my family, got to protect my cubs. And, uh, um, and, and she's, you know, a trooper through, through the whole movie. Uh, she's just pushing through and, and, uh, and, and so, yeah, kudos. <laughs> You know, I think it is so important to to make these kinds of stories tangible to people because th- that's just the nature of the news cycle. We we see something and then 45 other things happen at, after we've seen the, the one thing that was really important to us and we've forgotten about that thing. Like yeah. even the, the fires in, in Hawaii that kind of gripped everybody. That was now a few weeks ago, and people are kind of feeling uh, that they've moved on. But the reality is the people who are impacted by them, of course, haven't moved on. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's important to put uh, people's stories front and center because that's what I think uh, motivates people to take action. Talk a little bit about that as, as, an, as an entertainer. Uh, what what is it that that kind of leads you and motivates you to take on certain roles that are more um, uh, intended to to purvey a message uh, or, or or just to entertain? Like where where do you strike that balance as an entertainer? I mean, listen, I think any form of entertainment is is a form of escape, and it, and when you can take people on a journey that lets them escape from their lives, that's that's um, you know that's beautiful. That's what art is, right? So and also you learn from art. Even even in an entertaining story, you can learn from characters, and and so not every movie has uh, huge messages in it. Um, but I do really enjoy being part of movies that do have that, and and not in a bash you over the head way, you know, but in a way that's um, that's there. And and so when you watch this movie on the outside, it is a entertaining, suspenseful ride, 
you know, and, and a throwback to one of those family uh, survival films that I think people will enjoy. But uh, under that umbrella, there are lots of takeaways that are, are that you feel like, oh, I, I know that family. Oh, I, I feel like I'm part of them. And, um, you know, and, and lots of little layers that that you just receive as a gift while while watching something entertaining. And to me, that's that's beautiful because we have a platform here in film and television. And uh, and so whenever I'm able to use it for greater good, I, I, it makes me feel happy. And, and I do hope people watch it and I hope it does make a difference. In it. And at the end of the day, I do hope they're entertained by it too. You know, Peter Facinelli, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us. We're looking forward to seeing the movie on September 29th. All right, Trey, thanks for that conversation there. I mean, what you were saying about the uh, um, Hawaii fires is so true, Trey. I was thinking of the same exact thing that, I mean, what a national, every headline story, and that's just gone. I mean, it's practically gone, and, but they're still completely decimated there in Hawaii. Yeah, for sure. And that was the thing that was kind of on my mind the entire time we were talking to him. And we'll have the full video interview up on our YouTube channel uh, soon, the CBN News YouTube channel. And yeah, I think that that's something so important to put a, a real human tie to these things because it is easy to see a headline, to care, and then even to be prayerful. But there's so much happening that I don't even begrudge people who are reading the news. Right. It's like there's so much happening you have to move on yeah. because just, we're inundated with stuff. So yeah, it's good when we have movies like this that we can pause and reflect. Say, oh yeah, you know, this is something people are still dealing with day in and day out. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Looking forward to that movie coming out. We're going to move over now. We got time for one last thing on the podcast today. Going to take a look at Romans 12, 1, which reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And I just read that, and I think it's a reminder that a right response to God creating us in his image, saving us through his one and only son, Jesus, is to Turn and humbly thank him for this gift of life, kind of setting us apart for his glory, and then to turn from our sin and live to bring glory and praise to his name. Yeah, you know, a good chunk of the Christian walk is that humility, right? That yeah. admission that we need those things, that we need Jesus. And, and I think a lot of people struggle as humans to get to that place. But once you recognize that, everything else becomes so much clearer. Yeah. Well, and I think too, a big part of the Christian walk is just surrender, right? Realizing we're not in control. This is not my story to write. This is the Lord's story and we're blessed enough to be a part of it. We've been redeemed to be a part of the kingdom story God's building, but we're not at the center of it. And that is a relaxing and relieving thing to, to realize. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. All right. It's a good spot to leave it here on the podcast today. Make sure you get on over to cbnnews.com and Faithwire. Dot com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We shall return tomorrow. Friday Junior's up next. <laughs>